many things there are. <laughs> Come on, man. All right, sorry. Hopefully this week we will have all the recordings put together on a podcast platform, and then I'll send links to everyone. There's something I'm trying to work on this week. I think I, I'm almost there. Just trying to figure out what's most cost effective and accessible. I think we I think I figured it out finally. All right. I think I got it. Okay. So my hope is that if we're at this point in the study and you haven't run away, it's that you've looked at those ten truths about salvation and you've applied them to your own life, examined yourself, because the things that we're gonna be talking about today can only happen if you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, you guys all remember the analogy I gave, uh, I'll repeat it, um, about trying to go somewhere. We use Texas as an example. <laughs> Do you not like Texas? Yana? No, Should that's I fine. Somewhere else? Okay. <laughs> no problem with Texas. And I said, if we're all headed to Texas and I promise you, we will all arrive there no matter what. But to Deanna, I say, here's a bicycle. Pastor Ron, I say, here's a car. To Jared, I say, here's an airplane. And to Leah, I say, walk. Okay. <laughs> like, how does it get better? Yeah. <laughs> Teleportation. And I guarantee you, you'll get there. We all will get there at the same time. All four of them will get there at the same time. However, by the time Leah gets there, she's going to be tired, she's going to stink, right? She's probably going to be a little groggy, um, hungry maybe. Uh, Deanna, she'll get there easier than what Leah will, but she's still going to be a little bit hot, a little bit sweaty. Pastor Ron, he's going to have the air conditioning on, the music playing. So he's going to get there pretty fast and it's going to, it's going to be a cool drive. <laughs> Jared is going to get there super fast. He's going to have people waiting on him. And he gets there the easiest. The point is that everyone got there. And that's what salvation is. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to spend eternity with him. We're all going to see each other there. That's the most important part of our faith. And everything revolves around that. But God has given us tools to use in our lives that can help us get there better less damaged by the world, less stinky, less tired. And so the things we're covering today are two of the many things that God has equipped us with to help us get to our destination as whole, as unbroken, as successful, as joyful as possible. All right. So the first thing we're going to cover is water baptism. Um, and to be baptized in water, the first condition, the only condition really that really matters is do you have a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you truly been saved? And if you are, you're allowed to get baptized. Um, I'm going to read the, I don't know what page it is. I'm sorry. I think it's 16. Yeah. The meaning of baptism. So the word baptize um, and baptismo are where we get the word baptize from. They come from the Greek root word bapto, which means to dip or to immerse. Um, so this is to completely submerge into water. 
there we have three scriptures where the exact same Greek word is used. Um, I'll just read the bottom one. Revelations 19 verse 13. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. So when you're having that image of something being dipped, you're seeing completely covered in, in, in this case, blood dripping down. Okay. Um, on the next page, it goes through some of the history of where the word came from, which I'm going to read briefly. Uh, you're going to see some stuff about Afrikaans there. That's because these manuals were written in South Africa, so I'm not going to cover that. They were just saying that the Afrikaans word contains the original translation's meaning, but that doesn't matter to us. Um, baptism is not a translation. It is a transliteration. So what that means is when you take a word that's not really English and you make it into English and then it gets adopted into the language. Um, and so one of the leading theories for how this happened, I know there's some debate about it, um, is that when the King James Bible was made, the, at that point, the Roman Catholic Church was already pretty big and they were uh, sprinkling babies, baptizing babies. And so when the translators came to the word baptized, no, knowing that it meant to immerse into water, they had a problem because if they said immerse, it was gonna make it look like the church was doing it wrong. So the decision was made to keep the word baptismo and change it, transliterate it into an English word. So it became baptized. So it kind of covered what was happening, but was still truthful, if that makes sense. Um, there's a explanation there of where did sprinkling start? It's a theory, so I'm not going to read it because through my own study, I know there's a lot of debate about it. So instead, what I want to do is I want to read a little bit from the history of the church. I'll keep it short so you don't get bored if you're not into that type of stuff. And so this is an account from the years 1 to 100 AD. And uh, they're speaking about what baptism was like back then. So I'm going to skip around because it'll be a lot if I read everything. You're welcome to take this afterwards and read for yourself if you're interested. In theory, Christian baptism is preceded by conversion. That is the human act of turning from sin to God in repentance and faith and followed by regeneration, which is what we just spoke about. You have to be truly saved before you can baptize them, be baptized in water. In the case of infants, conversion as a conscious act of the will is impossible and unnecessary. In adults, the solemn ordinance was preceded by the preaching of the gospel or a brief instruction in its main facts, and then followed by a more thorough inculcation of apostolic doctrine. And that just means teaching, instilling of apostolic doctrine. The usual form of baptism was immersion. This is inferred from the original meaning of the Greek baptisma, from the analogy of John's baptism in the Jordan, from the apostles' comparison of the sacred rite with the miraculous passage of the Red Sea, with the escape of the ark from the flood, with a cleansing and refreshing bath, and with burial and resurrection. Finally, from the general custom of the ancient church, um, which prevails in the East to this day. But sprinkling, or copious pouring rather, was practiced um, 
at an early day with sick and dying persons in all such cases where total or partial immersion was impractical. So they're saying even back then there was some people who were sprinkled or water was poured over them, but that was the case usually with sick or dying people who couldn't make it into a pool of water. Water. Con converting. <laughs> um, as infants can neither understand preaching nor repent and believe, they are not proper subjects for baptism. Um, skipping a little. Uh, nor was there any compulsory or general infant baptism before the union of church and state. So before that, before union of church and state, um, that wasn't something that was typically done. Um, and here they're going to give examples of early church fathers who... Uh, were baptized later in life, even though they had Christian mothers. So the Christian mothers back in the early church did not baptize their babies because they had an understanding that it was something that the child had to choose for themselves. Um, Constantine, the first Christian emperor, delayed his baptism till his deathbed. Don't recommend that. Um, and even after Constantine, there were examples of eminent teachers as Gregory Nazenzen, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, Augustine, Chrysostom, who were not baptized before their conversion in early manhood, although they had Christian mothers. That's all I'm going to read on that. You're welcome to take that afterwards. <coughs> and so, baptism is something that you have to decide to do. It is a, a saying that you are laying aside who you were and you're becoming something new. It is a picture of a death, a burial, and a, re a resurrection to new life. Uh, am I done with this thing now? Yes. Okay. Diana, if you need that book, you're welcome to take it and um, scribble in it. All right. So why should we be baptized? On page... 18. Thank you. Well, well the last line of 18. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so. okay. Number one, Jesus is our example, and he was baptized. We know that Jesus didn't need to get baptized. Even John was like, what are you doing? Like, you should be baptizing me. And he's like, this is necessary. So Jesus gave an example and we're to follow that example. Number two, it is a commandment. In Matthew 28 verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Um, three, obedience. If I truly want to follow Jesus, it's the first step of obedience. And then it's quoting multiple verses where it says, be baptized, be baptized, be baptized. So reiterating, this is, this is important. Can you get to heaven without it? Yes. But it's obviously important because it was so emphasized by the, the early church and the apostles, the disciples. Uh, number four, it is a public demonstration that I have chosen to turn away from my old life and make Jesus the Lord of my life. So, I want to give an example here, and it might sound a little radical, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, I have read testimonies of ex-Satanists who say that if you leave a Satanic cult or coven, and you become a Christian, and you want to come back, it's fine. They'll take you back. But if you've been baptized, they refuse. It's To them, it's such... A powerful 
message that you sent when you did that, it's such a powerful indication of the change you claimed was happening in your life that they refused to take you back. I've also read some testimonies. Again, this is you can't prove it with the Bible. Take it with a grain of salt. But again, of ex-Satanists who say that they, when Satan allowed them to see in the spiritual realm, those who had been baptized in water, they would say they could see a glow around them, that there was something different from them to everyone else. So take that or leave it. But I thought it was an interesting little point. Um, I think I've made the point before that scripture kind of repeats itself over and over with different characters at different times. And the story varies a little bit, but you usually see the same patterns. And a lot of what we see in the Old Testament is a prophecy of what's to come. And so this next scripture might seem a little bit weird, but hopefully I can explain it well and you'll understand. Um, baptism symbolizes deliverance. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 10. Um, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now that sounds really confusing. I don't know about you. The first, like, I don't know how many times I read it. I don't know what was going on. So I would like to give you what I believe and what this book believes is an interpretation of that passage. When Moses and the Israelites went through the sea, it was a sign of what was coming. They were in Pharaoh's kingdom. They were under Pharaoh's control. They were under his influence. Then they passed through water. And they got to the other side and they were no longer in Pharaoh's kingdom, his territory and his influence. Were they free from Pharaoh before they got to the water? Yes, they were. God had freed them. They left Egypt. They were heading out to the promises, but they hadn't crossed through the water yet. And until they crossed through that water, Pharaoh, which some people would say it was a picture of Satan it still has control over you. So when you're baptized, you are literally saying, I am leaving Satan's influence, his territory, his kingdom, and I am going into what God has planned for me. I'm leaving everything that had to do with that life behind. I'm washing it out of me. I'm declaring I'm dead to that because that water baptism is a symbol of you dying. If you were like you were and you died, you can't be like that anymore. So that's a symbol saying it's over. It's the past. I'm not like that anymore. I die to myself and I rise to live in Christ. So now every decision you make, you are living in Christ. You are full of him. You're in his territory now. You're in his domain. You're under his authority, not Satan's authority anymore. And so I feel like that's a beautiful picture that was given um, in Corinthians of showing how they passed through the woods and how that itself was one of the many symbols that God gave to show what baptism represents. Um, I'm going to just read this part here because it just reiterates it. You were in Egypt through baptism. You are out. You were in the world through immersion. You are out. You were in Satan's territory through immersion. You are out. You could have been released by Pharaoh but still be in his territory. In order to get out from under the influence of Pharaoh, you need to go through the Red Sea. You could have been released by Satan, but still be in his territory. In order to get out from under the influence of Satan, you need to go through the waters of baptism. 
So that's why I was saying that these are tools that God gives us to help us. There's a special protection. There's a special symbolism that baptism carries. It's not just you getting in a pool, right? Because if it was, every time you went swimming, you'd be baptizing yourself. <laughs> so it's a special symbol and it holds significance in the spiritual realm. I don't think we will ever fully know how important it is or what it actually does. But we know it's important and it's something that every believer should do when they've made that conscious commitment and dedication that they're giving their lives over to Christ. Baptism declares, we are saved by grace from eternal death. We receive salvation without cost. We are identified with Christ's death, burial and resurrection, and we have moved out of Satan's kingdom into the kingdom of God. The conditions for baptism are proper repentance and its fruit, faith in Christ and an understanding of immersion. So if you're truly saved and you understand what baptism represents, you're free to get baptized whenever you so choose. In the spirit of the early apostles, I would urge you to do it as quickly as possible. <laughs> All right. The next part. This is my favorite. This is the thing that I hold most dear to. And when I gave my testimony on the first night and I said everything changed for me that night that I did this course back in South Africa, it was because of this fourth chapter. It is four, three. Sorry, mine is old. <laughs> It's because of this third chapter. If I say to any of you, Jesus exists, don't really talk to him or acknowledge him. Just, just know he kind of exists. I would hope that your spirit would feel very disturbing. You would judge my Christianity. And if I said the same thing about the father, if I was like, you know, he's great, right? And, I mean, occasionally we could say his name, but really, we should, we should only talk about Jesus. I hope that you would feel just as disturbed. But for some reason, most of us are okay with doing that to the Holy Spirit. He's this mysterious force, and we know theologically he's God, but we don't really know what to do with that. Like, I direct my prayers to God through Jesus. It's been going okay for me. I mean, I read about him a lot in scripture, but I mean, how do I, how do I apply that? I don't know. This mysterious force, is he, is he wind? Is he water? Is he rain? Is he a cloud? Is he oil? Is he a dove? Is he a ghost? Like, I'm not really sure about this thing. And so we kind of like shy away from the Holy Spirit. Like he's maybe not as necessary as the other two of the Trinity. <laughs> and I feel like it's one of the most detrimental things that we've done as Christians, especially in the West. We've totally neglected something so important. The Holy Spirit was so important that Jesus said to his disciples, it's more valuable. It's better that I leave so that the promise of the Holy Spirit can come. If Jesus himself is saying, I need to go because what's coming is better. We should listen to that. I know myself, I've many times thought what I would give to just sit down and have a conversation with Jesus, like face to face, like, 
man, I would have, he would have to warn me because I would have to like have a list of questions ready. I don't want to like get caught off guard and be like, uh, 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 I, I want to be prepared. I want to come and I'd be like, okay, here we go. We're Genesis all the way through. Here we go. Let's go. And I would love to just sit and get to know him and like, you know, what it, what it looked like when Moses walked through the water. And I'd love to ask him like all these random questions, some of them important, some of them not so important. But I would love to sit down and have that conversation with him. Yet every time I feel that, I sense the Holy Spirit say to me, you can. Like, that's why I'm here. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that we could all have access to God 24-7. When Jesus was here in the flesh, he could only encounter so many people. But now that he's gone, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we can have constant communion with God. The Holy Spirit is evident throughout Scripture, way before the day of Pentecost. We read about Him with the prophets. Um, we read about Him even while Jesus was, uh, during His ministry. And so, what is the difference? What is the difference between what was happening in the Old Testament, what was happening while Jesus was on the earth, versus what happened on Pentecost? And before I go there, I'm, I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Is there anyone who actually finished the homework? <laughs> Whole plane ride, y'all. Yes. <laughs> um, is there anyone who started the homework? All right, great. <laughs> so I encourage you, go read Acts 1 through 20 and Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. If You have now all the time in the world to finish it. But... As you read that, or as you have read it, I hope you saw some consistent themes in it. And we're going to go through those. But there was clearly something that was different that happened in Acts that wasn't happening before. But we know the Holy Spirit was there before, so what was the difference? Because if we read in uh, John 20, verse 22, this was while Jesus was still on earth. He was sending out his disciples and he said... Page? Page 21. Page 21. Mm -hmm. Close to the bottom. Mm -hmm. And when he said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? So if they received the Holy Spirit, why did they need to receive him again on Pentecost? There had to have been some significant difference between the two encounters. So we experience the Holy Spirit in two ways. When you become saved as a believer you have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. And that's what all the people throughout Scripture had. If it says the Holy Spirit was there, His presence was definitely there. When the disciples went out and ministered, they had the Holy Spirit go with them. So then what was the difference on Pentecost? Why did that need to happen? What was the difference? Yeah. I... Mm -hmm. Do you want me to answer? It, sure, you can go ahead. It was no, the Holy Spirit was no longer just around them. It was in them, or he was in them. Yes. So, the same word that we used for um, baptize in water, to immerse, is the same word that's used here, baptize in the Holy Spirit. Um, in Acts 1, verse 4 to 5. Jesus is speaking, um, and he said, it is that right? Yes, 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 yes. It's quoting, sorry, he's not speaking right now. 
And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So there is clearly a difference between what they had before and what they were about to receive in a few days' time. The reason that this is so important for us to get is that I feel like so many of us as believers, we look like everything from John backwards. We love God. We have a relationship with God. We desire to serve God. But for, and for each of us, this will look different. But maybe your life looks like the Israelites. You get like super fired up and you want to serve him. And then life starts to kind of creep in. And then the love of things of the world come. And then suddenly you're just not there anymore. And maybe you come up again and then you dip again. Or maybe you're like the disciples who they love Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They, I mean, he just rose from the dead, right? So all that pain and confusion of wasn't he the Messiah? I mean, he, I thought he was, but now he's dead. All that was gone. He, he rose from the grave. And you would think that after that and after seeing him ascend to heaven, that they would be like, let's go. Let's go tell everyone. Let's just let's tell everyone about Jesus. But they didn't. They, they like literally first they just stood there kind of staring at the sky like, is he coming back? Came back. He came back the first time. Maybe he'll come back again. You know. Then the angels had to come down and be like, "Guys, he will come. Not now. Go. You know, go to Jerusalem." Um, and so they went there and they sat in that house and they obeyed him. But there was no going out and preaching the gospel. There was no healings. There was no power. There were no miracles. They were just there, waiting, waiting for something to happen. But then the Holy Spirit came down and baptized them. And then what happened? The most radical things that have changed the face of the earth happened. Suddenly, Peter, who denied Christ, right? The same guy who Jesus came, uh, Jesus was taken. Three people came and were like, you're, you're friends with Jesus, right? No, 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 no. The same guy that was terrified is the first one to go out now and start preaching to thousands of people that Jesus is the Christ and that people need to repent. Boldness, no longer having any fear inside of him. We see uh, Peter and, and John go out and they heal someone. We see Stephen, who again also baptized with the Holy Spirit, goes out, preaches with strength and conviction and dies for Christ. He's the first person to die for Christ. What the Holy Spirit did in their hearts was radical. And you know why? Because he was living through them. He empowered them. He imparted those gifts to them. They never healed anyone. They never cast out any demon. The Holy Spirit living in them did those things. And so many of us are in the state of we love Jesus. We want to serve him. And we read the Bible and we're not seeing that kind of life. Some of us are struggling with sin that we just cannot get over. Some of us desire to speak about Jesus, but we're terrified. Some of us have a desire to go into ministry and to be victorious, but we just kind of don't know what that looks like and we're not emboldened to do so. Some of you may read Acts and be like, I wish, I wish 
you know, that I could heal someone when they were sick. I wish that I could hear a prophecy from God. And, and you might desire that, but you're not seeing it manifest. It's because right now you have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. But until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, those things won't come about. And like I said, there's no condemnation. You're still going to heaven with everyone else who has been baptized. But you are missing out on something that Jesus said. It's better that I go away so that this great, amazing thing can come. God in spirit living in each and every single one of you. For those who might still have some doubts that there's a difference, I want us to briefly go through some scriptures in Acts. I'm hoping if you've read it or if you will after this go and read it that you'll start to notice as I asked you to highlight and underline anytime you saw baptism, Holy Spirit, water, anything like that. Um, and let me turn over. Um, you will notice that the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened in two different ways. It either happened spontaneously as a response to preaching of the word. The first time that happened was on the day of Pentecost when the more or less 120 believers were in the upper room and the Holy Spirit just fell on them and they were all baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then um, we see it again with, uh, I think it's Cornelius, uh, the Gentile. Uh, him and his household were gathered together. The Lord had sent a vision to Cornelius through an angel that Peter was going to come and tell them the things of God. So they go and get Peter. He comes. He's preaching the word of God to them. And the Holy Spirit falls on them. And they start to speak in tongues and prophesy. Which acts as a sign of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. So there's this, the automatic, spontaneous. No one even asks for it. Here's the Holy Spirit. But then there's a second type of way you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Through the laying on of hands. They give one example there in Acts 8 verse 17. It says, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. There's a note here. This is not a different kind of thing. I don't like that it's made in four points. But they're trying to make a point to you that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit before or after you're baptized with water. And they give an example of each. So the first one where it says before baptism in water, that was um, the example of Cornelius. The Holy Spirit came, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then Peter was like, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? So at that point, there seems to have been a consensus that salvation was for Jewish people. But then God came, baptized them in the Holy Spirit. And then Peter was like, okay, wow, God is serious about the Gentiles. So if he gave them the Holy Spirit, we can't tell them they can't be baptized in water. We may as well just take them and baptize them in water. Because clearly God is now giving salvation to everyone. Right? Um, you can also be baptized uh, in the Holy Spirit after you're baptized in water. The example there is uh, Acts 19, 5 to 6. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, which means baptism in water. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Um, I want to briefly run through acts not the whole thing just stuff i've highlighted because I, I want to drive this this point home so the first indication we have is in the upper room the believers are gathered they are baptized in the holy spirit they spoke in tongues um 
And then Peter went out with boldness and preached. Um, then, let's see. I highlight a lot of my Bible, so I have to find it. Um, so, uh, then we have another example in Acts 9, when Paul, who is still at that point called Saul, has the encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. He then goes um, to the street called Straight. He's staying in the house. He's waiting for it's Ananias, right? Yeah. He's waiting for Ananias to come and, and tell him about Jesus and tell him uh, how to get saved. Ananias comes and um, he says to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right. Um, sorry, I should have read earlier. And Ananias went his way and into the house and laying hands on him, he said. So there we have an example of someone laying hands on someone and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, the next example was the house of Cornelius, where the Holy Spirit fell spontaneously and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And then uh, he, Peter said to them, let's go baptize them in water. Clearly God has called the Jews, uh, the Gentiles to salvation as well. Um, then we have another example. I'm trying to see what's happening right before it. Um, in Acts 11 verse 16. And he's quoting Jesus when Jesus said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, making a distinction. All right. I should have done it different colors so I didn't get confused. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Acts 19, uh, 18. Uh, now there was a certain Jew named Apollos born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, and he came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, so he knew about Jesus, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. So he was already preaching the gospel. He was a believer. Um, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Um, so the fact that they're saying, though he knew only the baptism of John, indicates that there's more than just the baptism of John. Which is I, water. Yes. I do want to make a distinction that in scripture there seems to be a divide between John's baptism and then be, to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Both were in water, but one was for repentance, which was in John's time, and then now it's not for repentance anymore. It's just a sign. Um, and this is one of my favorite verses to support that this is this is an actual thing. Acts 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, therefore believers, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. Repentance. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, 
saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So water. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So he comes to them and he's like, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? So they're Christians. They say, we haven't even heard about Holy Spirit. And then Paul asks, and for me, the way I imagine it is that Paul's looking at them going, so then what were you baptized into? Like, he's so shocked that, I mean, surely you have to be baptized into something by now, right? You're believers. And then they, they weren't even baptized in water in terms of the sign that we do now as believers. They were only baptized by John in John's time for repentance. So he's like, he basically is like, no, we need to clarify this. Let's baptize you in water. He lays hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. So here we have a distinct difference between the presence of the Holy Spirit and the empowering, the filling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You definitely have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you. Because there's a verse that says, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if you call Jesus your Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit is with you. You could not say that without him. But just like these believers who were following Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, were saved, were believers, were disciples, didn't know that there was more. I'm here to tell you that there is more. And it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. All right. So I encourage you to go read through Acts. I'm pretty sure I skipped out some stuff now. Um, so how do you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? You first have to believe in Jesus. Like that's just a given. There's no getting around that. Um, and then you ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Now either it happens spontaneously. It still can happen today. We can't limit God. Or you can ask someone who's been baptized in the Holy Spirit to lay hands on you. And ask for Jesus to impart the Holy Spirit. Um, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you stuff is going to change and that's what happened for me back in south africa i struggled so long with sin even the simplest things just like swearing i knew i probably shouldn't do it and it wasn't the greatest thing in the world but i just i, I tried i really did try but it just wasn't stopping and the night after i got baptized in the holy spirit there was something different and i could really feel it I didn't stop swearing that day, but the first time I swore after that, something felt different. I felt offended. I felt defiled by that word that came out of my mouth. And I was like, ugh, that was really gross and ugly. And within about a week, I got to the point where before it would come out my mouth, I would feel a, don't do it. And then I wouldn't. And within about another week, it didn't even come into my mind anymore. Now that looks different for different for everyone. So if the Holy Spirit takes, you know, a year for that to happen for you. That's fine. God works with different people at different paces. But I'm just trying to give you evidence of what happened in my life. Suddenly, I loved everything about God. Like I just wanted to read the Word. I just wanted to bring everyone to church. If you guys think I forced you to come here, you have no idea what the South Africans had to go through. I tell you, if I met you. I didn't even have to know your name. I was like, what you doing Wednesday night? And you're like, oh. I'm like, I have come to cell group. That's what we call small groups. Um, one time I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, and that's another thing. 
you're going to start to hear God speak to you. Some of you really want that. You're like, I want to know what God wants me to do, what he wants me to say, what job he wants me to have, who he wants me to marry. When you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, his voice becomes clearer to you because he's walking with you in you every day. So one time I walked into class. I went to go sit alone as I always did because I was an English-speaking student in a university pool of Afrikaans-speaking students. And there was kind of a, there was like a slight racism there. So people don't mix much. Um, so I kind of sat alone. Not that I was racist. I'm saying they don't like me because I'm English. Sorry, I just need to clarify that. <laughs> um, so I was sitting alone and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I saw a picture of a girl in my head who I knew was in that class, who I'd never spoken to. He said, invite her to church, to, to small group. And I was like, okay. And she happened to be sitting like just behind me and the class hadn't started yet. So I turned around and I'm like, hi, what do you do Wednesday nights? She's like, uh, 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 I mean, I guess nothing. <laughs> I didn't even ask her name. <laughs> and I said, you should totally come to cell group on Wednesday night. She's like, what's that? So I said, no, you know, it's just a casual gathering. We just get together. We talk about Jesus and it's really low key. And you can ask questions. You don't have to talk if you don't want to. You can just listen, but everyone's friends and it's fun. And she's like, what, what if I don't really believe what you believe? I just thought she meant uh, she was a different denomination. So I'm like, oh, we have all sorts of denominations that come to our small group. Don't worry about it. She's like, no, what if I don't believe anything? And I'm like, in my spirit, mm, funny God, an atheist. Thank you very much for that. So I was like, you should come anyway. It's just so much fun. And so she came and I told her, don't tell anyone you're an atheist. Just, just sit and just watch and observe. And she came to me after. She's like, that was amazing. I loved it. And she kept coming back and she started asking questions. And long story short, she gave her life to Jesus after a few months of deep, why does God let babies die? And all those typical atheist questions. Um, so obeying the Holy Spirit, like hearing his voice helped me to lead someone to Christ. It emboldened me. I had no shame. Like I would text people every Wednesday. If I had your number, God help you. I would invite you every Wednesday to church and any excuse you gave me, Jesus would help me find a solution. I don't have a car, neither do I, but I'll find someone to take us. Don't worry. Then I found someone. Can you bring seven people to church? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> poor people, their cars and their, their gas is, Jesus will provide, right? Um, they would say, oh, I'm busy. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll ask again next week. And some people literally told me, the only reason they came was because they were so tired of me asking them. And then they came and they loved it, right? But so you guys have it easy. Like I was, I was really extreme back then. Um, <laughs> and so we're going to go more into the the gifts listed in Corinthians twelve um, in a little bit, and I'll give you more examples of how when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I then had access to those gifts and, and what they look like. Um, but an important thing to note here is this chapter, mini chapter that says a constant flow of light. You have the Holy Spirit in you when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but you can respond to it in two different ways. You can quench it. You can ignore it. And he's a gentleman. So if you keep ignoring him, you'll go quiet and quiet. He's still there, but you'll be like, okay, all right, okay, quiet. Um... I know someone who wants to hear from God, 
but said something not so nice to the Holy Spirit the last time he spoke to her. And now she's struggling to hear from him again. And I know she will. She will hear from him again. But he's, he has, he's a person. He's not a ghost. He's not a dove. He's not fire. He's not rain. He may reveal himself in those ways. But he's a person. And if you're horrid and mean to a person who's trying to talk to you, a good, gentle person, they're going to go, okay, I, res I respect your, your right to not listen to me. But all you have to do then is repent. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. I want to hear you again. And he will slowly start to speak to you. And the more you listen, the more he'll speak. And the more clear he will get. Now, I know a lot of people, this is difficult. Like, how do I, how do I know I'm hearing the Holy Spirit? So I would say this to you. If we were in a crowded... Uh, disclaimer, I'm not promoting this. That's just an example. If we, I would, yeah. If we were all up on her, okay, and Johnny Depp was somewhere in the crowd of thousands of people, okay, and you had a blindfold on, everyone's talking, everyone's screaming, everyone's singing, and Johnny Depp shouted your name, would you know it was Johnny Depp? Oh, yeah, I would. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Would you know his voice? Not seeing, not knowing he's there. Would you identify his voice in the crowd? Mm. <laughs> Probably not. And why? Because you don't spend time with him on a daily basis. You don't know what he sounds like. Now, imagine your mom, okay? Yeah, Jared's eyes went big. If you're in a crowd, <laughs> right? And you didn't even have to see your mom. She screams, Jared, you'll know that was your mom. And that's how it is with the Holy Spirit. When you come to know him, you will identify his voice much easier. In the beginning, it is difficult. You have to fight. Is that me? Sometimes you might even think, oh, is that the devil? I mean, he told me to give extra money to the church this time. I don't, that must be Satan. I can't do that, mm -hmm. you know? So for those of you who are interested, I'll give you some quick tips. Holy Spirit will never say anything that contradicts scripture. He will never tell you to do something that's contrary to the word of God. If ever you hear that, it's not the Holy Spirit, okay? The Holy Spirit, when he's speaking to you, this helped me a lot when someone told me this, when I was struggling to discern. You will notice it's in third person. It won't be, I should give more money on Sunday. It'll be like, Jermichael, you should give an extra hundred dollars on Sunday. I'm not promoting, like, I'm not trying to, it's just an example, guys. <laughs> All right. So you'll hear it's like, you should, or your name is inserted in the sentence. And that's not how you think. I mean, unless you're one of those weird hoity-toity people who speak in the third person the whole time, usually when you're <laughs> thinking, you're like, I need to do that, I need to say this, I need to go there. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking, you're going to hear third person. So that's a good tip that I was given that helped me a lot. Um, I'll be honest, when you're learning, you're going to make mistakes. And so I would say make that around safe people. Like when we get to the gifts and how they manifest and stuff, 
if you feel, if, if you're trying this out for the first time and you feel the Holy Spirit is saying to Deanna, Deanna, you're going to marry Jared. You might want to keep that to yourself for a little while. Like, <laughs> right? But start with small things. You know, like, I know that if I am saying something that I believe is prophecy to Rachel, I know she's mature enough in the faith that she can take that to God and discern whether that's correct or not. And I know that if I make a mistake, she's not going to think, ugh, prophecy is not real, God's not real, this is all fake. So in the beginning, I mean, you get to a point where you can do it to whoever and whenever, and you can say radical things and do radical things, but I would say in the beginning, make it safe, like, so that you can make those mistakes. And, and I, I usually always start with, I feel like the Lord is saying, blah, 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 because I'm used mostly in prophecy. So it was mostly God saying, tell this person this. So I'll say, I feel like the Lord is saying, because I don't want to like give a definite of, that's it, the Lord, marry him. <laughs> like, I'm going to say, I feel like the Lord is saying this, but you take it, you pray about it. And if it's an extreme prophecy, I usually tell people, I have always believed prophecy comes, uh, um, confirmation comes in threes. So God is not going to tell you something once and never, ever again. Like if it's a prophecy, ask God, I would like another confirmation and another confirmation from other sources. So like be, start small with what you tell people, be in a safe place where you can make mistakes and you will make mistakes, but it's good to make it around other strong, spiritual believers so that there's no horrible detrimental aftermath of what you've done. And then when you've gained confidence, you can go out and you can start you know, taking chances and being a little more extreme. So that was the difference between quenching the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. If you quench Him, He'll start to keep quiet, but the more you listen, the more He will speak. The next chapter is on becoming a servant. And this is really important. I will confess to you, I actually asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit before that night that I did that course. And... I do not believe I received the gift of the Holy Spirit that night. And my reason was my intentions were wrong. Everyone else was flowing in the gifts of my church. Everyone was praying in tongues and all these things. And I was like, I want to be like them. You know, I want to do all these great things. If your intention is like, if you read Acts, you would have come across him. Uh, uh, Simon the Sorcerer, he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit. He's like, oh, give me that. Let me pay for it so I can do that stuff too. If your intention is, you want to look great, you want everyone to think you're amazing, you want to fit in with all the other Christians, that's the wrong intention and God will not honor that. But if you want to be a servant, if you want those things so that you can help other people, so that you can lead people to Christ, so that you bec can become more like Christ, those are pure good intentions. The whole point of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is that you can serve other people. It's not about glorifying you. It's not about making your name great. It's not about starting your own ministry and putting, slapping the word prophet in front of your title and asking people to book you conference centers. It's about you serving other people. If your gift is ever about you, I would question whether it's from the Lord. So always check your intentions. What is my heart? Like even God had to challenge me a lot with my prophecy in saying, if you don't love the people you prophesy to, shut up. Don't even talk to them. Because you need to do it in love. You need to care about the people that you're talking to. Alright, 
the next section is on the gifts, so we'll quickly run through that. <clears throat> so, 1 Corinthians 12. 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Take note of this next sentence. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I've heard some people say that the gifts are only for some people. That's not biblical. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have access to all the gifts that he offers. Now, you can't command them. You can't be like, I'm going to prophesy now. I'm going to heal this person now. I'm going to multiply all this food now. You can request something from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I see that Deanna is going through a difficult time. I'd love to give her a word of, of prophecy as an encouragement. Would you release that in me? And he can say yes or no. Other times he's just going to override you and be like, you go to that person and say this. But every single person has access to those gifts. I will say from experience that you should notice you will flow more in some than others. Like for example, for me, it's uh, the spirit of discernment. Um, oh, discernment of spirits, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Those are the most common in my life. And they, they kind of go together. You can see they're all like talking types of gifts. And usually they're in groups of three. You'll usually see that you flow more in three than the other six. That doesn't mean you can't access them. It's just what you're anointed to be and to become. All right? <coughs> so have I ever healed someone by praying for them? I believe I have on a mission trip. Is that something that's happening? Like, I don't know if you know who Todd White is, but he's just praying for everyone and everyone is healed. That's, that's not my calling, my ministry. But could the Holy Spirit use me to do that? Yes. Sorry, but it's not the most common occurrence that happens to me. All right. Um, so now we'll briefly go through the gifts and I will describe what is my definition of those gifts. I know it differs. Um, I know my pastor back at my old church, him and I disagreed on my definition for word of knowledge, he called word of wisdom and vice versa. But it doesn't really matter what you call them as long as they're happening. Arose by any other name, still smiles or sweet. That's what I always think about. Um, to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. What I understand this to mean is that God gives you supernatural wisdom in circumstances where you need this. An example of this practically that happened in my life would be my grandfather who is not a believer, he has changed from atheist to Buddhist to agnostic, I don't know what he is now, but he's been around, everything except Christianity. Um, we once sat and had a conversation about, about Christianity and he said, I don't agree with Christianity because I have questions that no Christian I've ever asked them to has been able to answer. So immediately I prayed and I said, Holy Spirit, please give me um, the gift of wisdom so that I could answer these questions and I was like would you ask them to me please and he asked them 
and each one I was giving an answer and some of them it's not like I'd ever thought about it beforehand or ever had encountered this, these questions before but I was able to give him an answer to every question he was kind of silenced at the end he did not convert doesn't take away from the moment for me because I got to see God work in a, in a wonderful way all right another the word of knowledge to the same spirit in my definition I would say this means when God gives you knowledge, information about something that's already happened that you don't know about. A practical example of when the Holy Spirit did this in my life was on a mission trip. And if you were in uh, Next Steps, you would have already heard this, so I'm sorry. Um, but a woman came uh, and she couldn't speak English because we're in the middle of nowhere in Zambia. And we have a translator and she said to, to the translator that she had stomach pain. Um, and she asked, she was asking for prayer to heal the stomach pain. And I asked the Holy Spirit and I said, Holy Spirit, why does she have stomach pain? And the Holy Spirit said to me, she's angry with her husband. Never met the woman before. I know what her life is like. So I said to the translator, ask her if she's angry at her husband, if she's fought with him. He asked her. She's like, no, no, there's nothing. And I was like, it's so like, ask her again. He asked her again. She's like, no, she's not angry. So I was like, sometimes you hear wrong. So then I just stopped praying for her stomach. And in the middle of me praying for her stomach, she starts shouting blah, 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 in her language. And then the translator is like, she's like shouting about her husband and saying that he took a second wife and she hates him so much. And how dare he? Polygamy was common in that nation. So she, she was the first wife and he's not treating her nice anymore. And she's angry with him. I was like, yeah. So we... I explained to her forgiveness and that Christ can't forgive her if she doesn't forgive him. We went through the whole thing. She forgave her husband. We prayed for her stomach to be healed and it was healed after that. So that was an example both of healing and of uh, the gift of knowledge. To another faith by the same spirit, I believe this is just supernatural ability to believe God is going to come through no matter what. I'll admit, I don't know if I've ever had this gift. <laughs> like, it's not my strong suit. Um, I've probably met people who are stronger in this than me, but hmm? me. yeah, Eric, I would say probably would flow more in that because he, he, he would just believe without any doubt. Um, to another, the gifts of healings. I already gave one example and I think that one's pretty obvious. To another, the working of miracles. Um, I have not performed a miracle, but I know that there was an instance at the school I worked at, we were a Christian school, and they had just taught on, they had taught the students the story of Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish recently. And the children that came to our school were very poor. Like most of them would not have any lunch or any money for lunch. Um, and this one child came up and she, she had some food, she had some sandwiches, and she said, we're, you know, teacher, remember that story. Let's pray over the sandwich and feed the whole class. And they prayed over the sandwich and they fed the entire class with sandwiches. I didn't witness it, but it happened in the school where I was working. And I believe they're trustworthy people. So I trust that. Todd White, I know, is also very prevalent in, right, in both healing and miracles. So if you ever see any of his stuff, you'll see it more. Again, that's not naturally what I flow in, but it still is a thing. To another prophecy, this is something that happens the most often with me. 
God will give me a word. Sometimes it's for an individual of something that will happen or just a word he wants to give them to encourage them or to direct them, to instruct them. Sometimes it's for the congregation. There's been times where God has made me get up and, and speak to the entire congregation. This was back in South Africa, a word that I felt was from him to them, instructing them either to stop doing something, to start doing something, to go in this direction, etc. Um, for those who were at Next Steps, I was very timid because I didn't want to be too extreme. But to three of you, I came up to you and I said something and I and I phrased it in such a way that it didn't sound like I was like, thus saith the Lord. But the three things I said to you, I, that was prophecy from the Lord for you. You know who you are. Um, and again, you can come to me and you can tell me what you said, Cassandra, was completely false and didn't make sense at all. And I'll repent because I'm human and I can hear wrong. But so far, none of you have come to me. You were one of them. Mm -hmm. Can you confirm? It's okay if you say it was false. Like, I can repent. No, yeah, that's true. All right. Um, uh, to another, the discerning of spirits. This is one that I had actually asked God for because I really wanted to flow in this more. And the example that I can give is this. Um, in our church back in South Africa, we had a morning and an evening service. The evening service is very small, never more than 50 people, usually like 20 that would come. Um, and it, but it was always amazing. The worship was intense and beautiful. But this one evening, worship was it, something really felt wrong, deeply wrong. And I was at the front on my knees praying and I just couldn't get into worship. And I was so confused because this like never happened at evening service. And so I prayed to the Lord and I said, Lord, why? Oh, and I turned around and the whole congregation was sitting down, which again, never happened during worship. It was so strange. So I said to the Lord, why, why is this happening? And he said, there's a spirit of rebellion in the worship team. And I said, in who, Lord? And he, he pointed to the girl who played the piano. And that was shocking to me because I knew that girl and she was like the sweetest, kindest, nicest, perfectest person ever. So I was like, then I was like, mm, I don't know if I heard from God on that one. Um, but I kept feeling it very strongly throughout the whole service. And at the end, I prayed and I said, Lord, should I say something or is this just for me to pray about? And I felt like he said I had to go to the worship leader and tell him. And I was terrified of that worship leader. <laughs> like he just had such an authority of God on him that I, I don't know. I, he just terrified me. Uh, he's not one of my best friends. He's that guy in the picture over there. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've never even had a conversation with him before. And I went to him often and I'm like, I know this is really like weird and like take it with a grain of salt. And I'm not sure if I heard from the Lord, but I really feel like God was saying there was a spirit of rebellion in one of the worshipers in your team. And at first I didn't tell him who it was. And eventually he asked me. So I told him, and I was like, pray about it. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong that. And he's like, he just said, okay. And he walked away. That night, I had a dream about the same thing, and I dreamt a scenario that happened with her and him, and I messaged him the next morning, and I'm like, I'm so sorry to bring this up again, but I had a dream, and again, I felt like the Lord was saying there's a spirit of rebellion, and he's like, okay, thank you. That's all he said, so I thought I was wrong. It later came out, I don't even know if he told me or someone told me, but she, he had done something to her, like she wanted to be worship leader, 
and he told her like it wasn't time yet or something and she got so angry at him that she was harboring like unforgiveness towards him and she was talking negatively about the situation and so he addressed that with her and there was peace and there was reconciliation so that's an example of discernment of spirits god showed me there was a spirit of rebellion i brought that to someone's attention again you always have to pray lord is this just for me or should i bring it to someone's attention but i did that worship leader prayed about it and then peace was brought because of it because he could go to confront her and say what's happening and they made peace and everything went back to normal um to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues so this is speaking a language that is foreign to you um, i've been asked by blueprint to withhold on teaching on tongues because they want to have the right to do that and to speak to that so i won't be elaborating on it tonight but just be aware it is one of the gifts of the spirit um since you brought out blueprint, yes. blueprint does believe in the gift of tongues okay. it just pastor feels like he should be the one to teach that for the first time to the church since we're a baby church just for clarity yeah sorry i didn't make that clear so i'm going to respect that and not teach on it tonight um i look forward to the day he does preach on it because then i'll have freedom and i'll be so excited because i love all the gifts of the holy spirit and they make me so excited what i want you to take away from tonight is that if you've never been baptized in the holy spirit this is not something that's meant as some kind of shame or condemnation or you're less of a Christian in any way. This is me saying there's this amazing gift that God has given you. And for many of you, you might feel like you need it for different reasons. For some of you, it was like when I was struggling to overcome sin, I only gave you one example of the swearing, but there were many other sins that the Holy Spirit helped me to overcome. Whereas before, I was trying so hard and I just couldn't do it. So for many of you, you might be drawn to that and be like, I'd really like to live more righteous, more holy, and I've just been struggling so much. For some of you, you want boldness to go out like Peter and John and Paul and preach the gospel and not be ashamed and not be timid and not be scared. For some of you, you want to flow in the gifts because you want to serve people. You want to be a witness to people. The reason I want to flow in the gifts is so that I can show people how powerful God is and how amazing he is. When I give someone a word of knowledge, that's saying to that person, God knows you. He sees you. When you think no one sees what's going on, God notices you. When I give someone a prophecy that is encouraging and, and gives them direction, that is me saying to them, God cares about the direction you're going. He wants to instruct you. Like He doesn't want you to go the wrong way. This is His encouragement for you. You know, When you perform a gift of healing or miracles, no one can deny that Jesus is real when you're doing something like that, right? I want you to go out with power and boldness and I want you to be Christians that look like the New Testament church because that's what we were called to. It's not supposed to be a story. It's not supposed to be something we look back on and think, oh, that was nice, but it's kind of not what it is right now. I want to tell you that it is accessible now and it should be accessible now. And there are many, many congregations around the world that are flowing in these gifts. Unfortunately, in Western nations, it's more suppressed and it's not as widely spoken on and it's unfortunately viewed with some contempt and confusion and some of that is humans fault some people have taken things too far um some stuff is fake like there is fake stuff out there satan copies everything that god does but that should be an indication to you 
that this stuff is real. Satan wouldn't copy something that didn't exist. There's false healings because there's real healings. There's false prophecy because there's real prophecy. Satan wants to take away from the real. And so people are so focused on all the ways it went wrong that they're rejecting the good stuff. And I don't want us to do that. Use discernment. Don't believe everything you see and hear when everyone says, Oh, this is the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you can use that to discern whether someone else is speaking in truth. And then you have this. This is your fail safe. If ever you doubt that something you see or hear or experience is from the Lord, test it against scripture. And this will be what brings you right. So I want to encourage you. This is a real thing. And I want you to dig deep into Acts and into Corinthians. And I want you to get to a point where you make that decision for yourself. Is that something that you want? And if you say no, like I said, you're still going to heaven. I'm still going to see you there. But I really hope that this is both these things, water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. I really hope that this is something that you take seriously. It's like me giving you a million dollars and you being like, no, thanks, I'm fine. Thanks. I would hope none of you would shove the check in my face, but we're doing that to God. Or you're in war and you're given a sword. Mm -hmm. No, I'll use my fist. Yeah. Um, there's a book. Where is it? Where is it? Right here. Uh, I would recommend it. I was going to buy it for everyone, but then I know people like my husband and never read a book, and it would have been a waste of God's money. So, <laughs> so if you want the book, you can tell me, and I will buy it for you. Um, it's about our neglect of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't go into tons and tons of detail about specifically baptism. He tries to avoid any doctrinal things, but he makes a very good case for that we've neglected the Holy Spirit and something is missing in churches today because of it and that we're grieving the Holy Spirit because he is God. He's no less God than the other Trinity. And to ignore him is the same as if you were ignoring Jesus or ignoring the Father. They are equal. They are all God and they all deserve to be acknowledged. Alright. Let's pray and then we can do... Um, what's the time? Do we have time for... Oh, wow. How did so I do that? I know. I was like, what? I really thought I was going to go over time. Okay, let's take prayer requests and I thought we were over time. So for those who are new, I'm very adamant on prayer. I don't believe anything can happen unless there's prayer. And many people resort to prayer as, have you ever heard people say this? All we can do now is pray. All you should have done is pray. Like, that should have been your first go-to, right? So, and this is still something God is teaching me is the importance of prayer. And I'm trying to take it really seriously in my life. So, what we do in this group is that you all give your prayer requests. Um, and then your request is assigned to one other person. And you are welcome to pray for everyone's requests. But I ask that for that one person you're assigned you take that seriously and you commit to pray for them for the week. Um, and then on top of that, when we have all the requests, we go around the circle and you on the spot pray for the person so that they know you at least did it one time. Because I've been in situations, I'm, I'm serious, I've been in situations where people say they will pray and they walk away and I don't really know, did they ever pray? And I, and I want us to at least do it here so that person can know, well, if they forget, at least the God said one time. So, all right. 